0: Well, see, we just started it, and this, yeah. is, start, this, is, the, this is the beginning of something. I know. Something.
1: It's the beginning of something.
0: I guess, like, we should approach this with our names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the approach with Patricia Deanna and, and Cal Camuna. Uh,
0: <laughs> Cal Camuna.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen you in a while. You're somewhere else. I'm in
0: LA, and you're in Mexico, Playa del Carmen. Yeah, Playa del Carmen, and I picked the best time, rainy season, and uh, and then I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna go back home to Vancouver in November, which is rainy season in (laughs) Vancouver. (laughs) But yeah, part of me thinks I might stay longer, but I'm already I'm already like craving going back home. Mm. But it's I also know that the longer I stay here, the more I'm gonna enjoy myself. But yeah, all my friends who left, they went to like Columbia and stuff. They're coming mm-hmm. back in November. So I'm thinking maybe I might stay longer. I'm not sure. Mm, not yeah.
1: bad. Well, I saw you um, doing some dance lessons. You want to talk about that?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. Uh, well, in L.A. Let's talk about L.A. first. Oh, God. <laughs> trauma, the trauma that you're putting me through. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I nurtured you from my. You did,
0: you did not nurture me in that class at all. You had like your own agenda. That's how like you. You were like today. I'm gonna. I'm gonna express my feminine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check out Mojo. I'm gonna enter Mojo today. Oh my god! This Mo- but nice before Mojo. that,
1: before we got to the place where we did salsa, I taught you basic rhythm. I taught you some basic stuff. So I was like, okay. <laughs>
0: Okay. I actually have already done that before. Okay. I think I might have lied to you. I was like, yeah, this is the first time. I don't think I told you it was my first time. I'm
1: not good. You insinuated that you needed like help with the basics.
0: I mean, I definitely do, but I've done the basics. I've done like a few one-on-one classes for salsa before I even uh, did one with you. But then when you took me to class, there were like 50 plus people Shoulder to shoulder trying to do bachata that was really
1: more than 50, that was oh, like that was, 200 people. Holy
0: 200,
1: yeah, there were 200 people in there,
0: so 200 people, yes, <laughs> to shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, this is my first time doing bachata, and honestly, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But still, that was like not an ideal first experience because when When I wanted to start dancing, I didn't feel confident enough to, I didn't like, I would just literally hold your hand. I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing now. You were
1: fine though. You were doing great.
0: I was fine. Yeah. But at the same time, like once the lesson was done, which I was barely doing Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I lost everything. I need, I needed more consistency. And I think I was just too shy to maybe, I didn't want to, I didn't want to approach someone and dance with them if I wasn't going to give them a good time. Like I wanted to make sure that if I'm interacting with someone, I'm going to be like the sun and I'm going to give you a good time, no matter what the fuck that is. And when it comes to like a class or like a, like people doing salsa or bachata, it's like a thing. Like, it's not like I can't just go there and dance stupid. Like I normally do. Uh,
1: could. I could. I know. Like as long as honestly, like the reason I love a dance like bachata is because it is a very simple, slow rhythm. You can do it to all different types of music and it does allow for more improv. But I do understand what you mean. You want to be really comfortable with, you know, the basic tricks, the basic stuff, you know, and then comfortable with where you can improv. So yeah. I get it, but you look great in the videos that I saw of you practicing. Yeah,
0: yeah today today was fun. Yeah, I've been taking uh, bachata classes in Playa. Um, I'm doing two one-on-ones a week and then one group class at least, but uh, I might go to a group class today, like tonight. Yeah, right. I got, got the bachata bug. But chat a bug. Is that a thing? Is so a thing?
1: yeah. So the next time I see you, you're gonna be yeah. able to give me a good time on the dance floor.
0: Yeah, maybe you'll stick around this
1: time. Yeah,
0: I was
1: gonna say, um,
0: no, but it's nice. <laughs> no now that I can dance a little bit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can see why i'd want to dance with other people because when we're going in circles there are people that i had chemistry with and certain people that i didn't and even the ones i didn't like it was still adequate but you know it's, i honestly think i made a lot of women shy i think i just i i think i think yeah. i'm just coming to terms with that like mm-hmm. I, I don't think i've
1: But uh, you make women nervous or yeah, yeah. yeah like i
0: definitely i'm very intense I'm very intense so like even even if you just like look, look at me you're like what right. my eyebrow just like pierce into your chakras it's
1: the combination of your eyes and your eyebrows like you have like just very very uh, you know focused eyes and then very pronounced eyebrows to go with it so it's like whoa and then that along with your your energy it's like okay um I better bring it like that's all I'm like when I met you that's how I was like I better I can't shy girl won't do
0: (laughs) yeah I just yeah it's funny because my eye contact wasn't automatic like I wasn't able to like pierce into your soul okay like I I me and my sister actually were both like this. Now it's just my sister. <laughs> Sorry for calling you out. Um, but she, like, we would, we'd like blink all the time. So if like, you're giving me eye contact. I'm going to be blinking like this, like uncomfortable. <laughs> like, don't look at me. Like, and I was like, look, look away and like, look at you. And I'm like, you know, like this, it was uh-huh. just like, I'd be blinking, 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 looking away, blinking. Um, So to fix that, I started doing like a candle meditation. So. I'd light a candle and I would just meditate regularly first. So I would get in the present moment. I'd feel my breath. I'd listen to my breath, feel my butt in the seat. Unfortunately, I meditate in bed. It's horrible. <laughs> you know, I could Me too. My <laughs> By <the nervous>. way. <laughs> uh, and. As I'm doing it, then I open my eyes and then I my I connect my left eye to this flame and I just stare at it and I try to like not blink and I just start to stare at it. At first, it was just like a staring contest. That's what it felt like, but at some point, I started to uh, try to project love into the flame. Hmm. So I try to project like love, appreciation, desire, intrigue, curiosity. I'm just staring at this flame and I'm starting to like notice things that maybe I didn't in the beginning. At first, it was just like a staring contest. Now I'm noticing like the edges of the flame. I'm noticing the hollow point in the middle. I'm noticing the stem that's carrying it, but it's also like it's still, but the flame is just going out of control and it's just everything. It was always different. Right. Um, And there was a beauty in it. And I I remember just like being in love with this flame. (laughs) It was so weird. And I had some of my best moments like my best meditation is doing that yeah uh what i did is i did that and then i'd I'd go out and i'd interact with people and i noticed that if i looked at a woman after i did that meditation it was like instant tension instant desire like all those things that i was projecting onto the flame now i can project it and it's automatic it's not like the flame it was forced in the beginning and it became more natural but even as it being natural, it still feels a little bit forced because it's an inanimate object that I'm trying to project love into. The (laughs) life in it is just the movement of the flame. But when I'm talking to a woman, like, obviously, I'm attracted. And it's just on like all the all those. Like the, the eye contact, you know, the windows of the soul are there and like all the emotions that I'm feeling, you know, for me, if I just meditate in general, I have anxiety, like I have too much tension in my body. I don't need another person in front of me. just like meditating in general. I want to get up and run, but (laughs) if I I can hold that tension with a woman, it just, yeah. Like, I think that's where a lot of my intensity comes from. Just like me being able to project that desire immediately, but it's not always automatic. It's it's, uh, I think even without that, if someone just saw me walking in the street, they'd be like, that guy looks like a bitch. <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like, oh, fuck me up because <laughs> I have a chronic bitch face.
1: No, don't. I mean, we're both earth signs and I feel like earth signs get a bad reputation for having a resting bitch face. I do. Like, I, I definitely used to get in trouble at work a lot of different jobs because they'd be like, Patricia, do you have something to say? Your face is saying a lot. And I'm like, ugh. Oh
0: your face does say a lot.
1: Uh, It does. My face is very expressive. It's um, just how I grew up. My dad is very expressive. My mom was very expressive. So it was like, I mean, my mom is the type of person that would just give you a look and you knew exactly what she meant. She meant,
0: you know what it is. It's the fact, the fact that you have bigger eyes even Mm -hmm. makes it that you're easier to read. But like if you think about it, like if the eyes are the windows to the soul, your window is pretty fucking big,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> and like
0: uh, I find that like women who have bigger eyes um, tend to be more attractive, and they mm-hmm. tend to have more of like a nurturing, empathetic feel, just because you can see that they're feeling you. Yeah. While like someone who, you know, maybe their eyes are regular, (laughs) right? Like I find that, yeah, it's just, it's not as, it's not as obvious, but like you, I've noticed that like, if you're thinking something, I can just like, look at you and you're not looking at me, but I already know what the fuck is going on. I I know at least it's scary.
1: I don't like this talent that you have because most (laughs) men can't read me and I love being able to at least uh, disguise it. And you are not one of those men. You're like, you you very much can read me and it scares the hell out of me. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. I can't hide anything. I'm gonna get called out for everything. But it is a talent that I think that more men should develop. It is something like to be able to read your partner non-verbally non-ver- and to like read, read the people around you without them having to say everything is yeah. important. And would be very helpful, I think, especially out there, trying to approach in different ways.
0: I think approaching is what gave me that intuition. Like, um, I th- yeah, because like, I w- you would have to approach so many different people. And you'd see so many different faces, so many different personalities. Uh, and you learn to adapt to different personalities, too. But uh, I think just like, Seeing that many people in a short amount of time, you naturally start to have, like, a database in the back of your mind. Of oh, like, yeah. This face means this. This face means this. I honestly think, like, if you were to compare men to women, like, just, like, generally speaking, men would just seem like they have, like, slight autism. Because we just have such a hard time reading people. Um, and we're so logical.
1: <laughs> you right, know? And they, I know there was a couple of studies that came out recently that said that basically women have more gray matter in their brain because of the empathy that we develop. Um,
0: Gray matter? What the heck is gray? Yeah.
1: So the gray matter. So basically the parts in our brain that connect things to each other, the different parts of our brain that part of our brain women have more of because of the empathy and i guess empathy is the true like railroad to using more part that's why women can multitask a lot easier so if you develop empathy you'll actually develop more talent to multitask uh, apparently
0: (laughs) see like when i was in high school in science class my teacher, I had multiple teachers say this, that the bridge between the left and right hemisphere, like the right, left and right brain, um, they, like the bridge for women is thicker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is what helps them all That's the same thing, or yeah. is it?
1: that's a great yeah. matter. Yeah. That was,
0: that's not recent. That's been around for...
1: <clears throat> well, ever. they just did it. They conducted another study.
0: Confirmed it. So they confirmed just to, it.
1: to confirm it. Yeah, basically, because... Yeah they, you know, there's always been the battle of the sexes, who's more logical, who's more emotional and blah, blah, blah. And obviously, we need, we need somebody to be something, you know, (laughs) we need somebody to be logical, we need somebody to, to be emotional. So I don't like to say what is better or worse. I think we should all be developing both parts of us. Yeah, Because I need logic just as much as I need emotion and intuition and vice versa. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs>
1: You need, uh, wait, do you like your logic brain? Like, do you enjoy um, being logical?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Of course. Um, the emotional part is, is less comfortable, but uh, necessary. Like, you got to also go back to the idea that thought triggers emotion and emotion triggers thought Mm -hmm. and I think the funny thing is about like being emotional is like if I'm being emotional I'm feeling my emotions and then it stops the thought and then I don't have any more bullshit to think about that creates more emotion I don't know if that made sense but anyways like honestly this conversation about like masculine and feminine is bringing me to a very controversial <laughs> topic that i might want to talk about before and you do what
1: <laughs> before you do i just wanted to tell you so yeah. i finished um let's see session six so i have two more sessions on um living a life surrender with michael singer
0: okay yeah
1: and it is a spiritual spanking
0: it is. <laughs> yeah
1: Oh my God. I was just like, oh my goodness. There's so much in the, the you that like learning about you and who you are and basically the things that we think are supposed to be the formula to make us happy. And really it's just that we're trying to make everything a perfect way and be the perfect, right amount of, things that go right and if we don't get those exact things right we're not exactly happy and then we're always trying to replace the other you know everything until we're exactly happy even though that never works I was just like well I feel called out
0: (laughs) well it's anyone I think who reads that is gonna or like listen to that's gonna feel called out in some way I haven't listened to it in at least two years Mm -hmm. Uh, but like when I listened to it I was uh getting over my ex-girlfriend, even though it's been like two years that we broke up at that point. And it was Valentine's Day. And I took myself on a date. I I said, I was going to take myself on a date. And I'm not going to lie. I took some psychedelics. I took a tab of acid. And then I walked all along Vancouver, along the seawall. And I was just talking to myself as if I was on a date. I was just like, Look at that! Like there's this chandelier that got installed under this bridge, and the wind was just like blowing. I was like, "Oh, look at that! It's so cool." I'm like, "Who the fuck am I ta- talking to?" Me, <laughs> but I was listening to that book as I was walking, and it just like I could feel my heart just opening, and that felt just that felt like feeling, right? Like literally just feeling, because like. I was closing my heart. I was closing it. I was resisting grieving in general and just feeling anything that I was having to feel. Um, and men do that. Men, it's like an automatic
1: men <laughs> do it. I definitely do it. I I I mean, I did it for years trying to resist intense negative feelings of oh my goodness. I I definitely had to close off my heart, or I shouldn't say I had to, I chose to close off my heart and um. And then I was wondering why I didn't feel other feelings as much anymore. And it's because like when you have a cart, that's only dependent on whether you're getting everything you want or not, you can truly never embrace what life is, which is an experience. You're just supposed to be there. uh, Letting the moment, what did he say? Like letting the moment unfold in front of you, enjoying the moment that's unfolding in front of you and just letting your soul learn. Instead yep. of trying to control it. And I was, I mean, thank you for that recommendation. I am afraid to listen to these next two hours.
0: Oh, no, it's not.
1: not- <laughs> I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. But it, like, its it's been so eye-opening for me. Um, not just, you know, as a person, but uh, like as, as a student who's trying to like understand how like what? What? What the heck we're doing here, and how to really absorb life to it the fullest? So thanks, it's great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's All
0: it's all the same teachings, like you know, like Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. Like that's yeah. my favorite book, um, and that that also taught the same thing. It was just a simpler format. And like one quote I love in that book is, "The finger pointing at the moon is not the moon." So. <laughs> the book itself, like the power now was amazing. And when I read it, I had a Satori moment, whatever you want to call it. I just, I woke up and I was present and uh, you know, that book had an effect, but I got obsessed with the book and it started to lose its effect. And I started to to use it as a, as a Quran or as a Bible. And I was shoving it down people's throats, just like I was shoved religion down my throat. Right. So, um, even even this audiobook, I remember what the first time I heard it, it, had such an effect on me that I kept listening to it, but as I kept listening to it, the words lost their meaning right they because I already digested the information, and now and it was the beautiful thing was is that you know it was the same information it was still pointing at the truth, but it was just like a different side a different a different finger pointing so <laughs> like, but it's at the same thing um uh, but yeah, no, that that audiobook is great. There's a lot of great books right now out there.
1: Yeah, I wanna I wanna check out like the untethered soul. And then there's there's another one that Singer wrote. And then I will obviously reread The Power of Now, because I read it like 15 years ago.
0: Oh, you gotta read that first. Like what are you- <laughs> No. I'll read The Power yeah. Now
1: and then A New Earth because those are on my list. You guys have a whole lot of books for me. So I am not taking any more book recommendations until I can get through this queue that you and Lynn and Mark have given me. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, thank you for the book recommendation.
0: <laughs> start speed reading. What are you doing with your life? Come on, speed read audiobooks. Why Come do on. I
1: need to, I don't like to speed read.
0: There's There's things that I speed read and things that I don't. I don't like to read books. Thing is I've wasted so much of my time, you know, I've wasted a lot of time and there are things that are worth reading and things that are, that aren't like, okay. So if I read um, Robert Mm Greene, there's parts of that book where he's giving you the details the facts, like things that you need to know that you got to fucking listen to. And if you don't, you're going to miss it. But there are parts where you just long winded paranoia, and I love his, I love his books. I love, like, I, that's why I read all of them, but like, don't get me wrong. Like when I read Robert Greene, I get paranoid and I start to see the worst in humanity. So I speed read those parts. Cause I, I know, I know his mindset around people to some degree, but I want to get to the important bits that I actually need to digest. But yeah, speed reading, like the power of now, no, you can't speed read that, but yeah. there's certain books. Like if you're reading a book about habits, You know where it's not about, you know, like you're not reading something that's literally unraveling your mind.
1: The Atomic Habits or The Power of Habit, both. Oh, I wouldn't speed read The Power of Habits because Charles Duhigg does a great job explaining how to build and why. So the but The Atomic Habits, absolutely, you can speed through that one, and you can even speed through
0: but see, I'm not saying that if it's interesting that you shouldn't speed read it. I'm Mm -hmm. saying that if it's something like the power of now, for example, when I'm reading it, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the layers shed. Like there's being, I'm being shed, Mm -hmm. like taking all those layers and shedding them. Uh, I need to digest every word to make sure that my psyche like completely understands it. Some authors the, the words that they use and how they write is so easy to understand that you can speed read it.
1: Right.
0: And, um, and you're still going to get the idea. But the thing is, you can't speed read if you can't get the idea, right? Like if you're reading a whole thing, you're just reading words for that don't mean anything and you don't get the idea by the end of that page, then you're not doing it properly.
1: Right? Okay. So. okay. Okay. I'll let you Clearly win. Really
0: unopinionated. Really. There's no way. What? his opinions
1: <laughs> so i wanted to bring up something um a lot because last week you were chatting a little bit about um the infamous andrew tate that, and how um like you're not andrew tate like there's there's not any part of you that i believe is even close to andrew tate but you agree with him sometimes and that can feel I-
0: Okay, so let let me preface this first. Okay, so I went to the clubs a couple of times. I'm a dating coach, right? So I'm going to the club, and at some point, a couple of times this has happened where someone's like, Andrew J. I don't look that much like. Andrew. I don't think I. Yeah. If you look at my face. Yeah, I don't yeah. look like him. I just have a bald head, and I shave my head. Uh, but you know, it's a joke, and I just got triggered by it a little bit, and especially when I found out, at least what I heard from the general public about him. So I had this idea of who he was and I saw some clips about him and where he said some things that are very misogynistic and made me very uncomfortable. And I was just like, I don't want to watch this. Right. I, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to agree with him on anything. Um, and it, I was it was a couple of weeks, I think, after that happened where it was kind of illuminating in my mind. But it, rem- it reminded me of Jordan Peterson. Like, two, three years back where, maybe even longer now, but um, where people were giving him hate for being transphobic and someone showed me a clip of uh, things that were super cut up and I watched it and I had intense rage. And I was like, screw this guy, fuck this guy. And then one day someone was like, oh yeah, Jordan Pearson, he's, he's great. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I, I end up being like, okay, you know what? I'm going to step into this. I'm going to see what he's about. Because even if I don't agree with him, I want to at least know what he stands for and see what I agree with, what I don't agree with. So I can understand him there. You can't win an argument or even anything. You can't convince someone of anything if you don't understand their position. So for me, I wanted to understand Jordan Pearson. So I, I watched a few of his videos and I was like, what the hell? This guy's, this guy's awesome. Like I don't understand why people are hating him. Um, But at the same time I did, you know, the, the way he talked, the the demeanor he had, it it was easy to label him a certain way. Sure. Andrew Tate, I decided to watch a podcast with him and another woman or a woman. And yeah, at first, I think like the first 30 minutes I was watching, I had intense rage and I was just like trying to disagree with him, trying to just see everything that was bad about him. And after calming down a little bit, I, I tried to watch it again the next day, a different one. And what I noticed was he talks with a lot of conviction, uh-huh. a lot of charisma.
1: Uh-huh. He
0: has power. Uh-huh. And I honestly, I, when he talks about masculinity specifically, a lot of what he says, I agree with a lot of what he says, I agree with uh-huh. and It's more about setting boundaries. Now, the thing that I don't like about him is that he's, especially his older videos, he's, he's not, he's not. Um, meticulous about his words. He's not using his, he's not using the right words to, for everybody to understand him. He's using what I call man language, which is very direct, quick, and just gets to the point, but isn't afraid to hurt feelings. It's like crashing the plane into the building instead of landing it. Right. So that's what I noticed. And whenever women hear that kind of conversation, they are going to get triggered. If you see men talking just them not thinking there are women around at all, you are going to get triggered listening to that conversation because we're going to use words, things that we don't actually mean, but it sets a certain point. Right. Now, when I'm watching Andrew Tate, I see that language. And I also think that he is trying to portray a certain persona because it's going to get attention. So I can see that as well. The things that I don't agree with him is when he talks about women you know, and, and some of it I understand, because I come from like a Middle Eastern background, my sisters are, are Muslim, one of them lives in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, the mindset in the Middle East is different, like, if like a woman wants to be taken care of a certain way, she doesn't want to work in, in certain countries. But the way that he was talking about it pissed me off, especially because he was just like, it sounded like he was objectifying women uh-huh. the whole time, like the way he was looking at them. Is like they're like a little puppy dog that just you're gonna train. That being said, he's he's directing most of his energy, I think, to communicate with men. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me. Like it makes sense. I know what he's trying to say, but I don't like the way he's going about it. Right. I watched his apology video. I watched about half of it. I can, it was honestly it was repetitive. So I only watched about half. But it seems to me that he's understanding his position right now. And that he's going to start watching his words more to, to touch a general audience and not uh, say something that can be taken the wrong way. Because if he's, if he's touching this many people, then it can go very badly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I definitely, I don't hate him. I I have a bit of respect for him, to be honest. Uh I don't, I I don't, I don't agree with everything he says. I don't think you can agree with something, everything that someone says. I don't, I, again, I don't love how he talks about women, how he betrays women, but that's about it. Honestly, like part of me doesn't like that. I don't hate him. Right. Like, there's, there's actually a big part of me that doesn't like I, that.
1: I so you sent um, over a couple of videos, and I watched part of one. I didn't. I didn't get through the whole thing. I saw enough to know that this was a person who, again, is trying to build a persona publicly and to stand for something. He has something to say, but I'm with you. There were, there was a lot that he said that it was like, okay, it's not that bad. I've heard worse, you know, like I've heard a lot worse, a lot more misogynistic, a lot more um, uh, controversial things. So it, and then there's some that has like, you know those little tiny morsels of truth like some of the shocking things that he says. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's how you feel. Like there was something he said, oh, about how he doesn't like to travel with women because we're children or something. (laughs) And, you know, like how him and his brother can go to the airport and, you know, they can go randomly and just be there for like 12 hours and no food and no water. They don't have to eat anything or do anything. And I'm like, well, that just seems like a miserable existence. I'm glad that that's what you want to do. But I, I think most women could put up with a certain amount of survival if they needed to. I have been in an experience where you know my husband and I were stuck at an airport for like 20, 27 hours or something like that, and had to sleep in the airport and it was awful. So <laughs> I I think he's
0: I think he's using like extreme examples to Describe an anxiety that men actually have. Right. Like the thing that I that I'm like the reason I don't hate him is because I don't think there are enough men talking about men's issues at all, and for someone to speak out about it is going to be controversial, especially when he's only speaking for men. Uh-huh. And when I look at him, it's, to me, it's like he's like, this is how men generally are, or uh-huh. generally think. And you should know this because if you don't know this, then like that sucks. <laughs> like that's how I see it. My my biggest thing is like he's not saying it in a way that women can digest, so that they can actually understand it, so that women and men can come to an understanding. I had the same thing, the same thought about fresh and fit. I don't know if you've seen their their podcast. Oh, like this one, this.
1: Oh no!
0: Yeah, it's even it's even worse. In my opinion, it's even worse. Um.
1: They're worse than Andrew Tate to me. <laughs> Look
0: yeah, I mean, they, they're very vocal <laughs> about their opinion. But again, like I don't disagree with everything they're saying, because to oh, me, to me, it's about to me, what I see is them setting boundaries, right? Sure. But the language they say to communicate that they, what they're doing is setting a boundary is very extreme. Like I saw a video where the guy was like, like a girl was calling him out on an Instagram post that he had where. He's like, okay, if, I, if I'm if i on a date, I bring a girl home, and she doesn't want to sleep with me, then I'm like, okay. He goes, calls another girl, gets her to come over, and then before she comes over, obviously, he goes like, yeah, you, you need to leave, basically. Like, right. you don't want to to me, like, you need to leave. And to me, I'm like, okay, I get the idea that you want to set a boundary where if you're not, maybe you don't want to have friendships with women, which I find fucking crazy, to be honest. But you don't want to have Friendships with women. You only want your relationships with women to be about sex. Okay. But the way he's going about it to explain it is very extreme. Now, he's probably talking to a lot of nice guys with nice guy syndrome who are assholes, but can't express it. Right. It's even more uh, vindictive. Anyways, I'm going on. I don't even know where I am in this conversation anymore. Well,
1: I was going to ask you. So Um, With Fresh and Fit, with Andrew Tate, they're speaking mostly to men. Now, as a woman, I, and especially as a Black woman, like as a Black woman, I am always really concerned about spaces that are meant for me, like there are places I can go to, especially on the internet, that I know that are meant for me, that are meant for my education, the furthering of my life. Yeah. I feel like men should have those spaces as well, which is why I don't viscerally hate somebody like Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson or fresh and fit people. Like yeah. you guys need your thing where you can go and talk about, like you said, men's issues. So yeah. do you believe that it's important for Andrew Tate to try to cross over with women? Um, In general, do you think that's a good idea or?
0: I think, I think life is like a pendulum Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I think certain people have roles in society to bring up certain issues. And a lot of the times we need an extreme case for other men to have the gut to find a middle ground.
1: Right.
0: Right. So for me, what I'm seeing is someone going very extreme and only talking about men's issues, only talking about the view from the masculine perspective and not giving a shit about the female perspective. And that's triggering. That's very triggering.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: but there are men, and I, I would say I'm one of them who sees what he's saying and understands it, but wants to also help women understand it in a way that's a bit more nuanced. Right. Like this happened with the industry and in like, like pickup, like pickup the industry itself. Like a lot of the content a lot of the information that is taught even to this day, it's the same, but it's completely different. I'm not talking the same as in mystery method where it's scripted, Uh but if we're going natural, a lot of it's the same. It's just the words that we use to describe something is different. It's more nuanced. It actually makes more sense. It's not man language. Right. Right. And man language is kind of like bro, uh, like the gym bros that give like gym advice, but they never actually took a course. Like that's what it used to sound like, right? But when you start refining the language, uh, it starts to make more sense. And he, uh, like Andrew Tate, like I don't think he cares. Uh, th- like at least when a lot of the content that was created, I don't think he cared because he didn't think he, I don't think he thought he was going to reach this many people. Mm-hmm. I don't think he thought he was, but now that he is, I'm curious to see what his trajectory is going to be like how he's, how his content is going to change if it is. And um, yeah, if there's going to be more empathy <laughs> or what, but.
1: So this middle ground yeah. I'm very curious about because what I notice on the feminine side, because like I said, there are tons of spaces online for the feminine um, is that when it comes to dealing with men like so there are spaces online for women who are just saying like I don't want to date anymore I just want to be unbothered and it seems like they just want to detach from the masculine approaches they they don't want to be involved with men and but there's no like they don't want to control them They're, they don't want to manipulate them like they just don't want anything to do with them right. and then there are spaces where women are like Oh, well, I want to date, but I want to have control. And they're trying to learn things to like, learn to get more, um, more of what they want out of like what they really want out of it. And so there's some manipulation involved, there's seduction, there's like all these things that they're learning and, but there doesn't seem to be like, like nobody wants to harm men like they and in those spaces that i've seen there, there's nobody that's like actively trying to harm a man um but with some of the crossover that i've seen on the masculine side there seems to always every now and then be some guy that's just like we have to control women again we have to get back into control yeah. They're not having babies anymore. They're not, ta- they're yeah. not letting us date them so, anymore.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So I think that what harms men is completely different than what harms women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, for example, I've talked to you in a, like a lot of instances about my fear to get married.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And right. it is like, honestly, I, mean, I think that if I'm going to be in a relationship, I'm just going to be in a long-term relationship. I don't know if I'd get married, yeah. but, Like to me, that's like that's where I could get hurt. Because to me, that's like I'm I feel it feels like I'm selling my rights away, I'm giving my rights away. That's like to be honest, what it feels like. Um, but the what what did you say is is harming women? It's the like what is it exactly that men are doing that's harming women? Um
1: really trying to control women's autonomy over okay, basically over themselves and their bodies and
0: I, I think any man who's going to try to control women's bodies is insane. Um, right. But what the way I listen to that is not like control. Like I heard the word compliance, right? Like those things, um, they're very extreme and it's language that we don't like. Like even the word manipulation, we don't like that word.
1: Well,
0: No, but the, the positive side of that is called influence, right? Right. So to be influencing someone technically or manipulating them just in a positive way. Right. Um, I think what I think is, is women want to be led with, by a man. Like they right. want a to who's a leader. And I think that's what they mean is when when you want someone who's compliant or someone who's you can control. It's not about that. You know, you're going to do everything that I say and you're going to never disagree with me. You're going to be a little puppy that does everything I say. <laughs> it's more, it's less about that and more about someone who's on the same path as you and wants to be led in a certain direction. Uh, Men want to have purpose, right? And for someone who sees you as someone who can lead, I think can give a man a lot of, a lot of purpose. Um, But I don't think it hurts women. If anything, I think it's uh, helping to help women, women, I think in the majority want to be in their feminine. I think most women nowadays, especially where I live are in their masculine. Um, which is fine. Like, I, I honestly am attracted to a lot of masculine traits too, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts. I think, again, it goes back to language and how the language is immature and needs to go through different paradigms. Like toxic masculinity to me is just an immature man. It's a boy, right? That's all it is. It's a man who hasn't gone through his shit. And you know, when I listen to, Andrew Tate and a lot of these guys, to me, they're just stuck in this phase. They're stuck in this paradigm of maybe they don't hate, like, I don't think they hate women, but I feel like they resent the lack of automatic abundance
1: mm.
0: women are born with. In All right.
1: Well, so can you explain the abundance that you feel we're born with that we get?
0: Can I explain the abundance that women have.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So like when (laughs) when you okay so how many times do you get hit on like a year let's say I don't know (laughs) when we went to the club that last time how many times did you get hit on like 40 (laughs) 40 times how many times did I get hit on I'm not talking about the time we went to the gay bar I'm talking about like a regular (laughs) by women how many times did a woman approach me and not the other way around
1: I'm like I don't know I didn't see any (laughs)
0: So like women, the thing is like men are attracted to to looks, right? right. Like we're attracted to appearance. So <laughs> women, you know, we're, they're going to get approached just for being there, just for existing. Sure. Um, while men, you know, women, you know, they'll appreciate a good-looking man, but they're not going to commit to a guy just because he's good-looking.
1: No. And he's good-looking
0: <laughs> Doesn't mean he's attractive either. Like if he opens his mouth and he sounds like an idiot, you're not going to be attracted to him. So. A man has to work for his abundance. He needs to actually put in effort. And you actually, we talked about this. Like you asked me a question once where it's like, do you think a man to be in his element always has to approach, always has to be communicating with women? And to be honest, I think, yeah. But yeah. the same at the same coin, I think if a woman doesn't get like hit on and doesn't get attention from men, then she's also gonna start dying right, right. yeah like she's, gonna start dying. like she's gonna start to you know not feel herself and
1: yeah i went through that yeah. and uh i did not enjoy it like when i was uh doing a lot of i mean i would still get hit on but it wasn't like it was more subtle and i didn't like the subtlety like I, i'm like no bring it be out loud with it and uh so yeah i agree like the the more attractive I feel um in different environments the more um the more I can like socialize and like be myself and like really come out of my shell so and there is a power to it
0: yeah and yeah so like women will have that automatically like they're they're kind of born with it and like men men we have to we have to work for it. it doesn't matter how attractive you are it really doesn't you can be the most attractive guy in the world you do not You can't compete with an average woman. You really can. Like legit. Okay. Like one of our coaches, like Lynn, you know her. Yeah. yeah, We did an experiment. She took a picture of a carpet, a dirty carpet. Right. A Tinder account with just the picture of the carpet. Right. Made her name the letter Z. Nothing's on her bio. She gets a hundred matches in 10 minutes. (laughs) Half of these guys are actually messaging her. Like starting conversations, curious about what she looks like, or not even care, caring, just like hitting on her. That will not happen to a man. You can be <laughs> the most attractive man on the planet. Start a Tinder account, you will not get a hundred matches in ten minutes. Guy just hitting on you. The only way you can get that as a man is from other men. Right. Like, like I, I started exercising in high school. Like I was sixteen. And I the the paradigm that I was in was a very low paradigm. The reason I wanted to work out was because I wanted to look good for women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to look good. But what I found out two years in, when I actually started to look good, the only attention I got was, for, was from other men. Even straight guys gave me more attention than, than, than women. Like straight guys so, are like, you're looking, you're looking good, bro. And then I want to
1: explain like, that a little bit because I think men are really confused about like, like, obviously we're not as attracted to looks like we like, good looking people, like that's why our friends are good looking and stuff or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you're a partner or somebody who's in my circle of friends, mm-hmm. your looks mean very little to my survival and to my, to the, 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 uh, engagement of my life. So it's very important that a man not leave with those looks because like, I'm like, okay, so that was 15 minutes of fun. Great. Now I've got to go find somebody else who actually brings substance to the relationship that we're building because good looking guys get boring really quick, like very, very quick, especially if all they can talk about is their pre-workout and their gym routine and they don't have an inner life going on, a rich inner life um, and actual adventures happening. So Yeah. Good looking guys uh, just are, I mean, it' good looking for us. It's just low on the priority list. It's great if he's good looking, you know, like, I mean, I think I told you, like we went to the mall a couple of weeks ago and we were, we both looked amazing, but you had a lot of man cleavage out that day. (laughs) And I was like walking around with you and I was like, oh wow. I didn't realize that I would enjoy walking around with a good looking man. Like because that's how Low on the totem pole, it was for me. I had never done it, you know, or never done it uh, consciously. So it's just not a big deal for us.
0: Men are simple creatures. We, we like, we want like good looks. And like, I think that's the first thing we look for. And we, I don't think we like that about ourselves. We don't like that women's looks have so much power over us. That's not mm-hmm. something that we're proud of. It's yeah. just the way it is um but you know once we get past that then it's the same boat like then it's like okay when it comes to sex yes I want to have sex with you you're good looking I want to have sex with you but when it comes to a relationship for most men especially high quality men that's going to take a lot oh yeah I think guys who are living in scarcity that they'll like any attention they get they're going to settle for but if you're I call it quality man I think it can, it can definitely make it hard to get into a relationship. For so, me.
1: Yeah. as a high quality man, what would you say your standards are uh, for getting into a relationship? Just out of curiosity.
0: Well, obviously, good looking. Um, <laughs> like, if you can put that on the side. But, like, I think someone who just has a passion for something. I I really don't care what it is. Um, As long as it doesn't step on the toes of my relationship with her, because there are some passions that will definitely step on toes and maybe my passion will step on her toes. And I think that's also a problem, but she needs to be passionate about something. Like I dated a girl who was really into her homework. Like she was doing interior design and she was like, talking about it. She's like, oh, I'm going to use this wall. Like, what do you think about this chandelier? Like, I'm thinking about this wallpaper. And I'm like, I don't get like, I don't care. I I like designing my place, but I don't care that much about interior design. But she was so passionate that I was just like intoxicated by it. I loved it. It it gave me energy. Right. Um, So passion is one thing. And I think she needs to have awareness on men and what they need. And one thing would be like purpose. You know, a lot of women are uncomfortable with having, like giving a man purpose. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do it. They want to keep their autonomy 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But you're not going to be in a relationship that is going to be a one plus one equals 11. You're going to be yeah. in a, you're going to either be in a codependent relationship or in a, in a very independent relationship where you're basically roommates, right? Yeah. So um, Yeah. i I lost my thought
1: yeah yeah i was just asking you about like what would be the traits that would be like okay this is probably going somewhere this is a relationship that i want to be in um i would say with the exception of good looks Mm -hmm. um it's more about energy for oh yeah yeah like i would replace good looks with good energy um I think it's the same for, for women in general, like, cause women also need a purpose. Like, believe it or not, like we, we want to feel useful. Like, yeah, it's not fun when you feel like you're just a trophy or a status symbol for a man. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, in fact, it can feel like Prison in a way. It's just like yeah. okay. So my job is to be nice and good looking all the time. Yeah. That's not fun, you know. Like I actually, yeah. Yeah. want to carry like I'm like I feel like women's purpose is to bring forward life. Like literally, we're the carriers of life. And so anytime we can get our hands to especially a man's purpose, like oh your purpose is to blank. Great. I want to f- help you fulfill that purpose. I want to bring life to that. So.
0: Um, I, th- I think that's and, what men want like yeah. men, a lot of men want that um, and but that role I think might be different depending on the man and and like what he's doing right right like some men need more support than other men oh, yeah. Um, and, and yeah like and yeah and
1: there I are think. different types of women like there. are I I honestly feel like good looks for men are kind of based on the traits that they really are lacking. So like, you know, the men who tend to really gravitate towards the curvier um, women, uh, you know, those women tend to be very nurturing. So they maybe need more nurturing in their life. And that's what they find attractive because those women tend to display those traits. Um, A woman who's very uh, statuesque and glamorous, and you know, loves to show off. Maybe that man is in need of some type of uh, status symbol to bring more prominence and more income into his life. Like they, there could be different men might be attracted to good looks based on what they actually are trying to fill in their life. Well,
0: how would that? How would? How would that explain what I'm attracted to from your point of view?
1: Um. So. Well what tell me your ideal physical woman and I'll I'll fill in the blanks.
0: <laughs> to be honest, like I I don't have an ideal at this point. Like I think I think if I was to be general and to be honest, like it's it's such a fake thing to say cuz I think it's just like what is expected to say. Like if someone says, "What's your favorite kind of music?" I'm like, "I listen to everything except country." Like that's a basic thing to say i would also be like oh i like a latina with uh with like a bit like beautiful face big tits big ass and a small waist and shorter than me right like that's a general thing but if i was to walk outside you know it's not like every girl that looks like that i'm attracted to it is also based on energy for me but i'm attracted to girls who are petite i'm attracted to girls who are shorter taller than me everything um i just know when a girl is attractive Uh but like that doesn't dictate if I'm attracted until I'm in that situation. It wasn't always like that, to be honest, but um, now if, I, if I'm in the conversation, that's when I really feel that energy and see if I'm actually
1: attracted to her. You're also at a different level than I think most men. So you're at a level where I feel like you are looking for a good looking soul. <laughs> like you want like that, A good vessel and
0: a good soul. I need both. A good vessel and a good soul. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. Like you want a good looking on the outside, great soul on the inside. And you're aware of that. You know that you don't apologize for it. And, you know, um, but it does allow you to have more options. I think Um, a lot more versatility with uh, what you're attracted to, which is nice Um, because I, I think you have a general love for, all women, which is <laughs> it's really nice. We can always tell when you like us. <laughs> That's what I always tell men. Like whenever I'm doing uh, you know, some work with 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 men or whatever that are working on their dating skills, I'm always like, we can tell when you don't like us, we can tell when you like us, and we can tell when you like just cannot stand us and don't like us as people. And you know, some guys can handle it right then and there, some guys need. You know, some work to do, but yeah, I think when you have a general love for humanity, agape, um, it shows. It it shows, and it's it's so much more comfortable than yeah than uh, a guy that's just like, oh, you yeah, I want a girl with big tits? <laughs> okay, yeah, what I mean, else?
0: The reason, like, one honestly, another reason why the looks won't matter is because I've been in relationships and I've been with beautiful women and whether she's beautiful or not, like after like having sex a few times, I still crave variety.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, I still crave variety. So to me, the looks are so like they're, they are meaningful to a certain degree until they're meaningless. Right. Um, and then at that point, it's just all about everything that's left over, which is like her personality It's is, the friendship uh it's all those things um not saying that I'm not attracted to her anymore but you know you start hitting different chemicals like it it switches from the dopamine rush that you feel to an oxytocin where it's nurturing now right uh you know there's so many things about just the human nature that pisses me off (laughs) like I know
1: because it does like it's like we're always fighting our nature to to be in a a
0: monogamous setting yeah to be in a
1: monogamous yeah. relationship you're yeah. always fighting biology and yeah. that feels I, I mean animals don't do it they you know, they they're like okay you know thanks i'm gonna go have your babies and then go have the next cat's babies yeah. you know Pam. you know when you were here she was in heat. oh my god she's, like, she's trying to
0: fuck you <laughs> she she
1: was <laughs> That poor cat was just like cow and only cow. Like (laughs) she was running and chasing after you and, you know, you were her thing. But then as soon as you left, it was back to hammer. (laughs) (laughs) She's like back to my primary and. Oh yeah. (laughs) But she creates variety too. So Mm -hmm. I just, I find it again. I just think we're at a very interesting point, especially with these new adult generations—the millennials, the Gen Z, and then Gen Alpha's coming after that—where people are just starting to question. Okay, why are we doing all these traditions? Um, yeah. You know, like. I'm in a generation where I grew up in tradition and we weren't allowed to really question it. We did question it, but we weren't allowed to question it. And then Gen Z is like, they're exposing everything. They don't know tradition as well. So I understand tradition, but don't like it. And they don't understand tradition and are like, we got to start a new thing. So I feel like that's going to bring humanity in general into a new place where we start to go. Let's, have
0: relationships that make sense it's okay hmm. I don't okay so I think that back when everything was traditional
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not that relationships, relationships didn't make sense relationships did make sense they of were course. just very simple and the roles were very much defined right. Right, like masculine feminine you stay in your lane like that was right. kind of the Now we're having a generation where um, women have been more masculine and
1: men
0: men have been more feminine. Right. Yeah. But the the biggest issue that I find is that feminine masculinity, like when a woman is masculine, that's okay. Right. Men are masculine that can be looked down upon. And what ends up happening because it's looked down upon is that it's get It gets put underground. And then Mm -hmm. when it comes out, is going to be very extreme. It's going to be the most extreme thing that you're going to see. It's right. hard to see healthy masculinity because men aren't practicing it. And the only form that they see is toxic. Right. Right. So my, my vision is that, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, that men are embracing their masculine in a healthy way and they're feminine. I honestly don't think that the men, at least in my age, uh-huh. in like their 20s, I don't think that they struggle with their feminine. I know a lot of women who are older, like in their thirties their forties even fifties are dating. They choose to date younger men because they're more in touch with their feminine. But the the downside of that, that these feminine men are indecisive. They're, they're agreeable all the time and they don't have a backbone. They don't have a vision. Like they're, (laughs) they're just kind of aimless. So my vision is both men and women. Can inhabit their masculine and their feminine men have their feminine but they lead with their masculine men have their masculine but they lead with their feminine or whatever it really depends because like if you're in a gay relationship you might lead with your feminine All right. right there needs to be polarity in a sexual dynamic the fear is that as these polarities start to combine that sexual attraction will be more rare mm. that is that is one danger that comes from the lack of polarity
1: Mm.
0: I've told you a million times that when I look at myself, I think of myself as 100% masculine and 100% feminine.
1: Mm-hmm. Both. Yeah, and, I told you that when I saw you, I was like, yeah. I feel like you're a divine masculine because you have so many feminine traits to complement your masculine traits that it's right. like, oh, okay, this is a whole person.
0: Yeah. When when I talk to somebody depending on where their energy is and where my energy is, we might be attracted to each other. We might not. Some people will bring out my masculine and some people will bring out my feminine, but a lot of people will not bring out any of it. Right. There's a lot of people that won't bring out any of it. So I do think the danger of mixing the two is uh, a lack of polarity. Mm-hmm. So, it's important to know how to tap even if you do combine the two, you need to learn how to tap into both your masculine and feminine at certain times. you need to learn how to do that
1: right
0: right um but it is it is simpler it's actually a lot simpler if we were to go backwards and and do masculine and feminine, but i myself i don't want that i don't want that i don't like that at all I, don't I like. I like communicating and understanding women. I like that. I want them to understand men too. I think there's and I a- like
1: being able to have so much control over my life, like you know, like and being able to make decisions that I feel like are going to further my development and understanding of the world. I, you know, I prefer I like being yeah. able to be brave in, you know, like you know, that's those are traits that would be discouraged 50 years ago. So yeah. I I think it's important that we do develop both. And I do understand like when you do develop both, there is something about, you know, like, I think it's because we're still in a place where most people don't understand those two things going on at the same time. And so they don't know when they're in their masculine. They don't know when they're in their feminine. So because of that, you're around a bunch of unconscious people. It does it doesn't turn you on like it's yeah. it's it's not fun to play with yeah. them because they don't understand that they're they're nothing well they're not doing anything
0: it's an emotional starfish that's what it feels like
1: yeah <laughs> an emotional nothing <laughs>
0: take me yeah you
1: know? <laughs> like i'm dead on the inside i want you to bring me to life (laughs) kind of yeah i think it's cool cool Uh, i like your zara shirt
0: oh thank you i got three of them but different (laughs) (laughs) this one has green stripes on it it's green if you didn't know
1: oh Yeah, yeah it looks like it's just white and gray from here
0: I like gray. I like gray and rainbows too. You know, like everything in life is gray and a rainbow. It's complicated. It's nuanced. Yeah. I was was talking to this girl. I went on a date with yesterday and we're talking about how certain things we see in black and white and certain things we see in gray. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's, and the thing is, it's not that we want to see things in black and white everything is gray. Everything is like colorful. It's a rainbow. Like there's no situation or conversation that's not complicated in its essence. It's all complicated. But when you make something black and white, it's simpler. Right. It's the same thing with masculinity and femininity. It's simpler if you just think it in in these general terms. But in reality, we're all individuals and we care. All of us carry both masculine and feminine traits. Right. But Black and white makes you think less and be able to take more action. So if you have an object, like a very concrete opinion on something, it's easy for you to to take action on it. While if you're somewhere in the middle, you're going to have to think about a lot of things and it gets complicated, even though it's the right thing to do. Uh And that's why people tend to hate anybody who's like a centralist or someone who's just like in the center, who's nuanced, who doesn't have too strict of a political opinion, doesn't want to talk about that stuff. People hate those people. <laughs> they hate me uh, because I I don't want to talk about them. Like everything is based on an individual note. Like I'm going right. to look at things individually. Um, but yeah, black and white is simpler.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, black, black and white gets the low lowest common denominator, which is why it creates such an extreme um, polarizing, usually platform for whomever decides to go black and white. You know, if, yeah. if you say women are immature children who can't care for themselves, you get a reaction. And it's like, you know, if even if there's like a grain of truth to that, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, totally. And if you say men are just horny idiots who only, you know, who can't, who can't handle real substance and will feel like little pea brains if they ever got to know a real woman, you create another, you know, extreme polarizing platform. Um, yeah to where, you know, all of a sudden we're all choosing teams and we didn't mean to be choosing teams, you know, and that was, that was something like I had to, to deal with myself a couple of years ago where it was like, I was starting to pick. And even though I had men in my life who I love, who, you know, are very nuanced, who can think in gray and in color, it was still like, I want to pick a team and it's the team that I was born on, you know, kind of thing. So you have to be, you know, I don't have to be careful, but you have to be aware of stuff like this. <laughs> Cause so the,
0: the, girl I, the girl I went on a date with, she's interracial. So her mom's white, her dad's, black, dad's black. And I, I, we related on something where she felt like in the white community, she didn't belong. And mm-hmm. she felt in the black community also that she didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was that feeling that no matter where you are, you don't belong. I had right. the same situation. I was born in Montreal. I moved to the Middle East. In the Middle East, in, in Iraq, I was uh, considered Canadian, so uh, they didn't accept me. And then I go to Kuwait. There's a war in Iraq and Kuwait, so I'm not accepted because I'm Iraqi. I come back to Vancouver. I'm not Canadian anymore. Now I'm Middle Eastern. I don't speak English, so I also wow. felt that that not belonging anywhere. And you know, you might look at that, or some other people might be watching this being like, "Oh, poor you! Don't have a community. Don't have a group, or whatever." But that is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me because it lets me think in individual terms, like I have my own religion. It's not a religion that you know about, but like my prayer is exercise, dance, you know, like all this stuff that to me is prayer. I'm connecting with something. Um, I believe in something, but uh, at the end of the day, I make my own opinions. I am who I am as an individual. And I, I, I look at conversation and problems in individual basis. And, um, yeah, I feel like when you belong to a group, it can hinder you more than anything because you don't think as much in those, um, about those nuances. Like a lot of those, that thinking has been done for you.
1: Yeah, I, um, I was, (laughs) I was the black sheep of my family and of of often the groups that I belong to. So I completely get that. I was actually fighting to get out of groups. Like, (laughs) I I was like, I just don't belong here. Um, and it was always kind of fighting for my individual expression. My dad was also fighting for my individual expression, which I learned later in life. He was like trying to make sure that I got to be myself, which, so it's nice when a parent can help you (laughs) like navigate that as well. But it, it is really interesting that when you're given that outsider pair of goggles, that you can see people more like I feel like I'm more empathetic to people because I was I was like on the outskirts of so many things like I went to an all-white school and um like uh, when I would go into places where it was the black community it was like that girl's weird because she talks like this and she dresses like that and you know like so I I get that but I also like I love those groups like those groups like I get why they exist they need to exist
0: Yeah, I think a way to expand your understanding as well, like if if you weren't someone who had to travel a lot or didn't have that experience, then I think traveling is the best way to get to that point. Right? Not traveling to Cancun, even though I'm in Cancun right now, you're not traveling to Cancun and going to like the hotel zone and partying with a bunch of North Americans. Like, no, go to travel and go where the locals are live with them, start understanding them and and expand your perspective. Like when I went to Hong Kong and I saw what was going on there and then I came back to Canada and no one was talking about it. I was shocked. And I was like, wait, the same thing was happening in the middle East. Like everyone is just being divided all the time Uh just to get like these agendas met. Um, I don't trust media. I don't trust people who don't travel like people who don't, don't leave their hub, man, they are the most opinionated people that have the most amount of privilege I've ever seen mm-hmm. and they complain the most. It's ridiculous. It's the weirdest. Oh yeah. Thing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's um, yeah. yeah. It is funny. Like the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable you get in your opinion and the, the, and you, you only are around the same, you know, five to seven people <laughs> who are spitting out very similar opinions to you, if not the same opinion, which, you know, I feel like the more precise the opinion or it, that the closer it is to yours, the less development you're going to in growth, you're going to have, you're just not going to really understand people outside of you. Um, I mean, even like I was having this conversation with my husband last night, I was talking about how, you know, the reason I love going to salsa and social dancing is because I don't care about that other person's, um, political opinions or any like I just like I see energy and it's like I just get to connect to that energy and I get to dance with that and I get to love that energy while I'm with it like it's it's just I get to absorb it and not like that all I want to do is send good vibes to that person and yeah. you know thank them for the time that we had and then move on to the next person and I feel like that is where we're all trying to get to eventually is <laughs> where we're just like you know, like, yes, obviously, when it comes to politics, you got to do something, you know, like when it comes to certain opinions about how to run the world. Sure, you, you got to do something. But at the end of the day, human connection is so important. It's vital yeah. to our existence. And the more you take that away, I think the less happier we are.
0: I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think it's the ultimate human experience is just connection. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I think
0: mm-hmm. we should. End it. I think we should end it here. Okay. Yeah, and then we can continue next week.